Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. With me on my podcast today is Matt Rogers. He's the owner of Poppenhausen Hardware. They're a single-store hardware store in the San Francisco area. And we're going to spend some time talking about Matt's uh, stores. But his experience, the reason he's on, is is actually unique. He's had two uh, very disruptive fires uh, that nearly put him out of business. And if not for... Uh, the experience that he had dealing with insurance, and if not for uh, the efforts that he had made uh, with his insurance agents in advance of these fires, he would be out of business. And so I thought that that was just a cautionary tale that that I thought dealers would want to listen to. But in addition to that, Matt is the founder of the CRHWA, and that's the California Retail Hardware Association, and, and they are a trade group that represents independent home improvement retailers in California, and they're doing some pretty cool work. And in addition to that, he started a group on LinkedIn to try to gather independent home improvement retailers into one spot and try to help them speak with one voice or a more consistent message, at least within the industry. And so I love the work that Matt is doing. It's really well aligned with a lot of what uh, I think is important. Dealers should be speaking with one voice as much as possible. Dealers should be congregating in real life or digitally as much as possible because it's our disparate nature, which makes us so easy to makes us so easy for the large manufacturers who supply us to take advantage of. And it's when we come together uh, that we're strongest. And so Matt's helping us do that. And so thank you, Matt, for doing that. But uh, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe and shoot me a text, shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear next. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. With me today on my podcast is Matt Rogers. Matt is the owner of Poppenhausen Hardware there in San Francisco. Matt, how are you this morning? Doing well, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about Poppenhausen Hardware, but before I let you introduce yourself, you're also on the show because you're involved with a trade organization. That's the California Retail Hardware Association, a new group for home improvement retailers on LinkedIn. And so we want to talk about that a little bit. But before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience at Poppenhausen? Sure. Happy to do that. I think we might share some very similar backgrounds as far as I've been uh in the hardware business, 35 years or so, just small independent store. Uh, started out quite early. Well, actually, I've, I had the entre- entrepreneurial bug um, at an early age. I've always just been uh, interested in, in earning money, whether it was odd jobs or little businesses. So that's just been in my blood. Uh, as I got older, I uh, started to take a little more seriously, went to school for small business management. And while I was in school, realized I needed to get a real job just to make ends meet. So that job happened to be at the local hardware store uh, while I went to school and got my degree. And uh, just so happened uh, that the owner, who was in his 70s, had Parkinson's and was looking to retire. And I had already written a business plan on buying the business. And so I was like, well, looks like I've got this all figured out. Um I just have to figure out the financing. So I, I went to him and I said, Hey, you know, you, you, you know me, you'll finance everything. Right. And that of course was not going to happen, but we were able to piece it together. And so before I was, I was actually 22 when I was doing the negotiation, but um, before I graduated school, I was the owner of the store, um, just turned 23 and boom, there it was. Uh, it happened what very quickly. 
What a great story. And, and so you're a young man and in the business for a long time. And, and so one of the things that I wanted to make sure to talk about when we spoke about your stores, Matt, during the prep, you uh, talked about an experience you had had with some fires and particularly as related to insurance. And I thought it was a great learning opportunity. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So among, among the, I want to say the many memories of, of this business was, was uh, having a devastating fire that totaled the business, not just once, but twice. Distinctive. Yeah, that's uh, some bad luck right there. You're lucky it, you didn't get a call from the district attorney. It, it's crazy. Um, so anyway, the, the first fire was in, I had been owner about 10 years, still a little, little wet under the years as far as business. And I had recently expanded our computer system and, and I, I called up my insurance broker and I was worried because it was about $25,000, $30,000 was more than the policy covered. So he said, no problem. We, we can take care of this. We got a special thing. So he took care of it. Well, he, he made a mistake and he filed it under protection under a power surge, not for any type of flood or fire or anything. So when everything was, we're going through the rubble, we discovered this and that meant that I was going to be a little bit underinsured. And that worried me because this was every, everything. I devoted everything here. My broker didn't seem overly concerned, which was disturbing, but, but he, Kind of took me under his arm. It's not his money. No, <laughs> he he was a family friend, and uh, yeah, I did I trust. That doesn't him. make it his money either, man. No, no, yeah. that, absolutely. Uh, so he he kind of took me under his wing, and, and he said, you know, let, let me kind of show you what, how insurance works. You think, well, I know insurance. You buy insurance, and you're covered. There's a lot of intricacies, and the policy is really like a rule book. And so he was showing me how you. You can read and look at the at the rules, and as long as you stay within the rules, and the insurance companies, fine. You know that basically they play by the rules, you play by the rules. The the problems that you hear about with insurance are people uh, think, oh, well, I'm covered, and then they're not because it doesn't say that in the rule book. So anyway, I had to really scour the rules and find little individual areas in which I had coverage, but I wasn't taking advantage of that. And so bit by bit, I was able to piece together nearly everything that I was short. I, I think in the, in the end, we were maybe down four or $5,000. So not something we couldn't recover from. Right. And what I wanted to talk about, though, uh, during our prep, we had spoken about the uh, continuing operation insurance. Yes. As, so as that had been what had uh, right. said in the prep, like basically saved the whole day. So that particular policy was a good policy, had a one-year continuation, which allowed me to maintain my staff while the store was rebuilt. It took about right. seven months. And that and was that's what I wanted to talk about, right? Sure. Because if you have a terrible fire, as, as Matt, unfortunately, has experienced twice, if you have a terrible fire, yeah, you're at, you, at risk of losing customers while you're closed. You're at risk of losing inventory. But what are you going to do for employees? Because your employees can't wait six months for you to rebuild your store. Yeah. And so Matt's story is, uh, is, is a good one in that it reminds us we need to be able to keep our businesses going, even if all we're doing is rebuilding. Right. And, and it's very important and it's often. Um, not looked at when you have yeah. policies and, and to sort of continue that process, my, my, the family friend broker, he had retired and, and I was looking on to other, uh, insurance 
programs. And I'd went with one that was recommended by my main supplier as a great company. And in looking over their policy, their business continuation was for 60 days. And I don't think you can even get a building permit in 60 days. And I automatically red flag, had a, a lot of discussions with this company and they just shrugged their shoulders and like, what, that's standard. I was able to recognize that ahead of time, uh, then was able to find, um, actually ran into a person who's my current broker, a guy named Aaron Heishman, who uh, came from the hardware industry. He understood what was needed and he knew where to find good insurance. So he has always kind of looked out for me and I've had 100% confidence in him. So he now goes, his whole thing is two years minimum of business continuation. If I hadn't made that move then, when our second fire happened, we would have been devastated because that took a lot longer to rebuild. It took, they didn't even start construction within seven months. So we uh, really had to work hard to to kind of make it, keep our staff because they were, their continuation was for a year uh, management and myself was for two years. But what we ended up doing is setting up a, a temporary store right at that one year mark that, that we're able to maintain our staff. And so it was a pretty phenomenal move, but without knowing how the insurance worked, uh, this would have never, never, have, I mean, that would have been it. Would have been gone. Yeah. And you know what I, what I like about your story? First off, obviously you're still here, right? So you survived it. But what I like about your story is I, I do know dealers that have had catastrophic issues that caused them not to be able to recover. Uh, yeah. it could be a fire. It could be theft. It could be a bunch of other things, uh, that could cause that. And insurance is a great tool, uh, to protect yourself against that. And, and so as a dealer, I always like to make sure I was not a fan of overinsuring. Uh, but I like right. to make sure that I always had the proper amount of insurance. And so that meant uh, making sure that my insurance agent knew how much inventory I had, making sure that I understood when I checked my insurance policies to see how much they're going to cover me to rebuild the store, replace my computer network, make sure on a yearly basis, uh, I used to right. make sure that, that that was always enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's extremely important. And it just, like I said earlier, it just gets overlooked because, the impression is, oh, I have insurance that covers it. But the, you get into the nitty gritty. It, it's very, you, you have to make sure that it's in there. Just like you say, you, you know, not over-insure, but make sure you have the proper coverage. And so insurance is very easy to cut. You know, it's it always looks like an expense until the moment that you it, need it. A hundred percent. But obviously after two fires, I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer in in, uh, in having that peace of mind. It's having insurance. It's necessary. Yeah, so I, I agree. So let's talk a little bit about the California Retail Hardware Association. That's the CRHWA. Uh, what is it that you guys are, are doing? So my insurance broker, who has a background in re- retail and hardware, as I mentioned, has visits stores all the time. And he, he noticed something that every single store is facing the same issues, it's particularly in California, where it's really uh, difficult to there's just challenges everywhere you look. And so he was commenting to me one day, he's like, why, why is it that all these stores have to do the same thing and they're all doing it by themselves? We should, we should form a group that, that allows everybody to kind of work together and find some answers. And so that was sort of the core of it. And uh, to be kind of worked on this together back and forth, sort of in an unofficial capacity. 
and ultimately came up with the CRHWA as a more as just a label. Which we talked identify. about. We, we talked about I can't resist. You know, hardware is a single word, I, right? I know. I know. <laughs> Doesn't but look you guys nice, are different hardware. I, I got it. Yeah. So it, it, um, so it just kind of was a way for stores to identify or something for them to identify with and then to kind of bring up these issues as, as they came about. So you guys are a a regional trade organization representing independent hardware stores in California. Correct. And so we're not traditional in any way. We don't have a board. We have a sort of unofficial group of stores that we talk to all the time. So they're representing multi-stores, they're representing big stores, small stores, all the co-ops and suppliers are, are in that group. So we hear all the intricacies of the of the business, but also the overall kind of problems that are percolated to the top. That's what we kind of concentrate on. And then we try to find a solution that, that works for everybody and then kind of share that solution. So we don't, it's, it's very, it's hard to explain because it's not traditional, but it is powerful. Um, and we, uh, a good example is COVID. When COVID came out, uh, stores kind of got, shafted with the vaccine rollout. We were essential businesses. We had to stay open. But then when they came out with the way the vaccine was coming out, hardware stores were just not on the list. So there was a lot of uh, phone calls, a lot of uh, concern. And while we never changed that, we found a loophole. And the loophole was that nursery workers or food production. So if you sold seeds or you sold plants, you could qualify in this other category and then go in. But um, it, it, And so what we're talking about, just to be clear, while your workers were being forced to work as, as essential employees, they did not have access to the uh, COVID vaccination for the ones that wanted it. And so what you helped do is move them up on the list of prioritization. Right. right. They, were, they, they had a, California had a list and then they had a, an overseeing body of, I don't, maybe 50 people that were supposed to work on this list. And, and it just, it just got missed basically. Grocery store workers were there and whatnot, but they just, it just got missed, but they weren't about to change it. There was no real way to change it. So despite a, a lot of, we probably had more interaction with stores for this particular issue than anything else that I've seen. But I was so going to say, this is a perfect issue for an advocacy group. Right. Yeah. And so we, it was interesting because, uh, even like the National Association and different ones, I, I would come in and, and, and write letters or whatnot to, to kind of push it along. But there's just, it, Sacramento doesn't move very quickly and it doesn't necessarily move where you want it to. So, um, just by looking at the problem, we were able to, to kind of see, I forget who it was. Someone kind of thought of this like, well, that's a definition that would fit in. And so it didn't really matter. I mean, they, what was happening is the vaccine was in such short quantity that they were regulating who could go in and started to think right. with age. And so, but that was, that was a good, a good use of, of what our, our association can do. There's value in any group of independents coming together and speaking together in any way. As a matter of fact, the very reason we get uh, sort of short shrifted by the industry, by manufacturers or uh, even by insurance companies, frankly, if we were to all be together uh, and all speak together with a single voice, we would always do better. And so any group 
that brings independent retailers together is is you know extending the voice and extending right. the volume, raising the and volume. It's that's a hundred retailers, hundred percent what we're about, and and. It seems like we're all talking about is insurance, but I want to break that up too. So because our group has the, as well as the retail, the, the insurance background, we've been able to form these relationships with insurance companies that have basically products and coverages that are only available to groups that they've, that's opened up. And, and so when, uh, there's California has again, more issues. There's a lot of, a lot of reasons that they're not writing coverages. Right. So, um, There'll be, there'll be calls about, oh, I just got canceled. I won't renew or it's $80,000 to renew my policy through these new relationships with the, with the, the companies that, that exist solely because it's a group that coverage has been able to be found for these, these stores. So that's a, it's a, another example. I don't know insurance that well. I don't, I mean, as far as selling it. So I can't speak specifically about it, but I do know that there's a lot of, of members are finding. Uh, some great solutions there. So another, exactly right. They're as a group, much more powerful. And so another thing that you're doing to bring <clears throat> retailers together, and and I applaud Matt uh, what you're doing. We talked a little bit during the prep about giving you guys some voice. Uh, I'm I'm all for it. This is what I've been trying to do for 30 years: is to as much as possible to to get retailers to speak with a a single voice. And so another thing that you're doing to help that uh, move that along is you guys have started a new group on LinkedIn for independent home improvement retailers. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what your plans are there? I enjoy LinkedIn. I, I find a lot of uh, uh, useful information. I also find people are very accessible. Some, some authors or, or different people you would think would never really want to chat with you. We'll have a quick conversation. Uh, well, there must be a group for small retailers or hardware stores or independent retailer, and there isn't. So I thought, well, I was just going to make one. And um, the idea was that let's make a place for these independent retailers to sort of funnel discussions or funnel their their posts so that it's a little easier to find when you're scrolling through LinkedIn it's going to keep it all together. I know it's going to take a lot of work to kind of build it up, but I just initially sent out to my contacts and, and I'm growing from there. There's, there's just a lot of, I see, I run across stuff just in the last couple of days. I was like, Oh, that would be perfect for the group. We perfect for the group. And I just haven't had this last week, not a lot of time to devote to it, but I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities. And I noticed that uh, your, your recent post, you were saying it, it's a struggle to find guests for your podcast. It's like, that's a perfect opportunity. That's why right you're there. here, man. I was dredging <laughs> the bottom of the barrel. That's why you made the cut. Yeah, exactly. So I'll take that, but, but you know, that should make it easier for you. If yeah. something interesting comes by that's related, then, then that'll be a lot easier. So it's a win-win for everybody. There's no, uh, you know, there's no salesy. It's a it's a moderated group, so I'm not going to let any of the spam come in, and it's it's got to be relevant. Uh, you know, it's interesting when uh, uh, when the internet was first becoming a thing. Uh, at the time, I was writing for a magazine, a paint dealer magazine, sure. and uh, me and the editor at the time, a guy by the name of Mike Matthews, if anybody listening remembers him, he was an editor for that magazine for probably 20, 25 years or so, very well known in the independent channel. Uh, and Mike and I decided we were going to start a, a chat room. Uh, we just called it paint chat and it was basically just for paint dealers to, you know, come in and, and sure. share their beefs or what was on their mind. 
I don't remember the numbers, but but we went from zero to we were a hit instantly. Okay. Uh, dealers all of a sudden found that they had a voice, and and we had uh, manufacturers listening along. We had sales reps following along because it it really became a valuable source of information right. for and them. They all, yeah, they all contribute, and they're all part yeah. of the industry. And that's that's part of what I'm trying to capture because be, with the association. I deal a lot with the uh, the vendor side, a lot of the the dealers, not dealers, but manufacturers, and and there's some great great people, and and there's just a divide between them and the stores. They they you know unless you're going to a trade show or somehow and interact with them, you don't see them, and you you there's no way for those manufacturers to reach easily reach that audience either because there's there i mean they could just take an ad in one of the trade journals but that's expensive and that doesn't really yeah. communicate anything i so have it's... a uh i have a consulting gig going on right now with a european company that basically is is paying me to form a focus group because okay. there really is no other place to right. go and get information on right. uh, from this from this channel primarily because <clears throat> of our disparate nature the fact that there are 40,000 independent uh, right. retail locations around the United States and 30,000 owners, you know? So yeah. And they're all doing their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing it themselves. And, and so what a great way for uh, dealers to start networking with each other and come together and, and maybe start working on some sort of unified message. So I applaud Matt, what you guys are doing with that group. Why don't you uh, say the name if anybody wants to try to find it on LinkedIn and, and Brian, we can put this up on the screen. So the group official group name is Independent Retail Dash Hardware and Home Improvement. Uh, but if you just search Independent Retail in groups, it's I think it's the first thing that comes up because there's nothing there. Um, so yeah, go ahead and join if you're in the industry. You're you're in. Uh, doesn't matter what you do, and just come and share. the The way to support the group is to to share a post. Uh, if you think something's interesting or you want to highlight highlight somebody, put them in there, and you can. If you are social media for a company, you can not only post that on your, your company page, but get some more, more run by posting it in the group. And that, that's the type of material that's welcome. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. So, well, uh, yeah, let's see what happens and hopefully you pick up one or two people from, uh, who are listening now. And so Matt Rogers, the owner of Poppenhausen Hardware in San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the time. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, talk about my story. <laughs> <laughs>